Welcome to Doctor Who A to Z, a show that covers everything Doctor Who from beginning to end, from 1963 to present, from Hartnell to Gatwa, from Auton to Zygon. All right, we are starting a new series this week, reviewing some of the highlights from 59 years of Doctor Who leading up to the 60th anniversary in 2023. And today we will be talking about the flux, which is from season 13 from 2021, 13th Doctor. And while flux isn't a story that I would necessarily put in my top 10, 20, 50, maybe even 100, <laughs> I do think it's important to talk about the ramifications of it, especially as we're going into this year leading up to a big anniversary. And joining me to do that are four amazing friends. Catherine Sullivan, Charles Kelso, Adam Throne, and Andy Hicks. How are you all doing? <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Awesome. Hi to be doing wonderful. Stuff. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'm going to start us off just right off the bat. Heavy hitter, because this has proven to be a pretty contentious story amongst fans. Flux. Is it any good? Yes. I liked it. I okay. liked it. <laughs> I'm going to let Andy, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to let Charles go on that one since he beat me to it. <laughs> I think it's fun. And that's the bottom line, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I think it, I was just rewatching it this week and I had a great time. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's there's a, a couple of real standout episodes. There's a lot of really great characters. Uh, it's fun to watch. Unfortunately, I don't think it resolves into a satisfying conclusion, but uh, I enjoy the ride until you get there. There you go. Mm-hmm. No, it, well, it is it is an apps. Oh, look, go, go. No, I was just saying that's exactly what I was gonna say. I got nothing else to say. Thanks a lot, Charles. <laughs> See you all later. No. <laughs> um, no, I, I agree hundred percent. In fact, um, the only thing I would do is reverse that order. The characters I thought were really well drawn and immensely likable, and I wanted to see more um i you know the enjoyment factors number one i wanted to keep watching and that was not the case with um chimnall's first season uh to lesser extent the second um it felt like doctor who for all its faults for all its its high points as well um and i i do agree with you about the conclusion but we can, we can get to that point the um you know i applaud its ambition i think there was a lot of story stuffed into six episodes it, it could have used more um, I was reading recently somewhere because I was doing a little bit of research. I've only seen it once, but it is on my list to watch again because I enjoyed it so much. Um, and I think someone pointed out that really it's only the third attempt in the series history to do a story arc. Um, you know, uh, Key to Time being one, which arguably, you know, uh, had, had an arc, but not necessarily a, a strong ending. Trial of the Time Lord, which Alan, I know you're you're a fan of, and I am too, but it, it's not uh, the 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 whole is not as good as the sum of the parts. Um, one could argue that Myths, Matt Smith's first season is an arc in itself, or, or you know it tells that story. And I think for what this set out to do, um, and a lot of great ambition, it felt like Doctor Who, and yeah, it fell short. But again, the enjoyment factor was there, so I'll I'll stop there and let others talk i would have really really liked to have seen the uh the eight episode version of this mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. like i really would have liked to have seen the version that they uh that they wanted to make because i think that there's a lot of really interesting ideas mm -hmm. a lot of great ideas in flux there's um 
like people say, you know, every there's some really strong individual episodes. The uh, Weeping Angel episode is really good. Mm -hmm. The Santaran episode is really interesting. It's a great mm -hmm. Doctor Who setup. It's just, you know, a, you know, event in history, but how come instead of Russians, it's Santaran? Like, that's such a yeah. wonderful, like, <laughs> yeah. Time Warrior type setup. That's just this, I love that. Uh, and even like some of the individual, like more arc based stuff had some really nice moments. There's some great moments in Once Upon Time. Vinder and what's what's Vinder's start to the bell. bell bell yeah bell and Vinder um are I I like them I've I'm fascinated I want them to get together in the end I think that we were so like the timeless child thing had just been in our heads so we're like oh it's the doctor's parents or something and then everyone was like I don't want these two to, who are these people <laughs> their arc actually works and I say that because a lot of the the plots and stuff don't really resolve and don't necessarily work or don't or are only on screen long enough to like acknowledge and then they cut to the next thing. And it's mm. like the basic example I can give is, is sort of, you know, on one hand you've got, well, we can tie in like the Santarans are now in the Russian army and that, that ties in with the overall arc and that's neat. And the weeping angels are involved and that's neat. And then what is this thing? It's affecting the entire universe. But then you sometimes get scenes where it's like, oh, this was definitely directed during a pandemic because there should be a lot more than two people in this room <laughs> right bbc or budget bbc budget but it's like old school bbc budget except like they somehow got permission to film like in buckingham palace or something <laughs> or in like the nasa or whatever was but you know because it looks beautiful, but it's like, this is a big, beautiful room with two people in it. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, and there should be more hubba. You know, there's there's that kind of, those compromises you can sort of get around. Tech Dune shows up and then just like, I'm your mother, die. Come on. I know. Yeah. That's the, that, that, that is exemplary of the pro the only problem I have with Flux, but it's a big problem and it carries throughout the entire thing, which is, hey, we're resolving a lot of stuff. We're going to throw everything we possibly can in, even stuff that's really, really, really interesting that you want to know about that you know would make a good story. It's going to get a three-second line. Goodbye. And it introduces stuff and does the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But meanwhile, we've got like Swarm and uh, Azure who are like very cool looking villains. I think a cool idea for a villain, but it doesn't ever pay off. It's just like, we want the universe to end because I don't know, it's fun. Right. Ah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> Catherine, uh, what are your thoughts about it? Oh, I loved it. I had to watch it several times after I got the DVD set because, you know, BBC America messing up the sound. Mm. So I was able to actually hear the dialogue and actually get some more of the lines. There is so much good humor in there. Mm. Some of those lines are hysterical. Very, very touching moments. Uh, and watching again Vinner standing up to revealing the Grand Serpent's plan mm -hmm. and him saying it's so anguishing feeling because he's going I don't want to relive this moment I don't want to relive this moment and then he still goes ahead with the same thing mm -hmm. saying he's standing up for the Constitution like at this point in time yes oh my gosh that was just so perfect villains are scary again I mean mm -hmm. the Angels were being a laughing point by the end of Matt Smith's time period by actually having them scary. Oh my gosh, that was just terrifying. Mm. Yeah. And yes, the Suntarans are still funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't really take them seriously. They're trying really hard to be master villains, but <laughs> but 
it was a good setup for them and actually seeing Dan Starkey doing so many good roles. Oh, that was fun. And you actually had the cliffhangers. There were so many points of the cliffhangers. I was really afraid for the companions and the doctor and watching it again, it's like, bang on those rights, the right note to end each episode on and the resolution on most of them for the next episode, that was just perfect. I just I just love this thing so much. The division again was an interesting setup and that whole idea of her looking in the w- mirrors and finding Joe Martin's doctor. Mm, yeah. Perfect. And I'm still <laughs> saying that okay, Dan is a substitute for Havanista. And so that means Vinder was probably Lee, which was Joe Martin's companion. I'd love to find out who was actually the stand-in for Yaz in her memories. Mm. but again if there'd been more time all we needed was one or two lines i it, the resolution was not really good but the fact is that it was carried over by even the daleks and getting that oh good the repair for the tardis takes place in the next episode if we'd have one <laughs> or two lines even mm-hmm. in that episode i would have been really really happy but i mean this they set it up that because swarm kept rewinding time rewinding the doctor's death that setup is that okay time could possibly rewind the universe before everything of the flux but we didn't get that resolution so we still ended the series not knowing how much of the universe is left right right people come Uh, back to life did those planets come back mm -hmm. you just needed one or two lines Mm -hmm. not with a bang but a whimper yeah well you read that article too yeah And oh my gosh, establishing Kate, that was just perfect. And her stop story with her father mm-hmm. and having the Grand Serpent being so obsessed with her that he's hunting her down and having that resolution. Okay, he's probably going to be coming back because, okay, he's exiled on a little asteroid. He's not dead. We can bring that guy back. I, I do think that Kate was particularly well presented. Mm-hmm. in in the episode that she was in i thought she was done really strongly um i want to ask you guys and andy kind of answered this already um what are the standout episodes of the season yeah i think andy's right i mean the santaran episode and the blink and the wiki um weeping angelus episode was yeah. yeah those those are the two highlights for me i have yeah. and i think once upon time is a really yeah. interesting cool episode as well mm-hmm. i mean most of them i had their favorite parts of every episode so mm-hmm. yeah yeah, the Village of the Angels was just, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. such perfect establishment. And then Survivors of the Flux, because you actually got the establishment of what Dan and Professor Jericho and uh, Yaz have been doing, that was just so well done. It felt like in the Indy Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Very much. Perfect. Yeah. I would I would agree about the, the um, angels everything that Catherine said about um, about that. It, first of all, the, the the cliffhanger where she's turning into the angel is is one of the moments. I mean, there's nothing more iconic than the, you know the Doctor versus angels and becoming one. Right. Um, you know, I I, I, I agree. I, I don't. I think there's a lot of great moments throughout the series, um, but that that's the standout, and a lot of it has to do with the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, the angels becoming scary. Jericho as just a great likable character funny yep. you know and very well played 
Um, there's a, a recent issue of Doctor Who magazine came out that looks at all the great performances of the character actors, and he's up there um, in that list, which which was great yeah. to see. Um, yeah, I, 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 I this might be controversial, but um, I was not a fan of the Santaran episode as an episode. I like the mm. concept. I like seeing the old school Santarans. I don't like them played as buff as buffoonish as they are in the new series, and I felt that was still carried through. Um, and I, I, I don't know, there's points in Doctor Who where I just, my mind wanders and I'm doing other things. And that was the one where it happened. And I, it, it, it doesn't always happen during historicals either. So I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying it's historical. So that was probably my least favorite, but at the same time, I, I did like the series as a whole. Andy, do you have other things to add to your list? Um, I mean, again, a lot of individual moments are good. I think the Halloween apocalypse, uh, possibly suffers by having to set everything up but yeah. a lot of the stuff it does is really good mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. i think that um the melting tardis is terrifying i think that you know the the setup and that, that's where all the stuff with uh dan and uh you know cavanista uh come through right where it's yeah. like uh, that's where it sets up and that like chris chibnall you know you can look at his era in a few different ways um, you can look at his era as what works about his era and what doesn't work about his era are both a little ephemeral sometimes. It's a little hard to sort of pin down. Hmm. However, um, <laughs> I think that a lot of this, the, the way that Kevinista and Dan is like the coolest idea I've seen in years in Doctor Who, like hmm. that we're all, we all have one human we have to protect, but we kind of resent it and we're like, <laughs> 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 you know, and but it's a really cool idea that you mm -hmm. could, and then you could use that as a, you know, um, and yeah, but that's, I love when Doctor Who does cool ideas. And I think the Halloween mm -hmm. apocalypse is full of them. I think it's, it's interesting that with the Lupari, we never actually find out why they have one human to protect and who assigned them that role or any of that stuff or how long they've been doing it. And if, have they ever had to enact anything like this before this moment, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, it's it would be interesting to delve into any of that stuff a little bit more and was it joe martin's doctor ah mm. you mentioned right. you mentioned before you know what that they would have liked to have done a longer series of the pandemic causing it to be short and this is definitely one of the the shows because let's let's consider one whole episode mm -hmm. that would benefit from being one of the new target novelizations i would love mm -hmm. to see a big, big bound set, but still in the same size with the Target logo um, <laughs> of Flux to fill in those gaps, to, to have those moments, to let things breathe yeah. um, or, you know, release the original scripts or ideas or something. I'd love to know more about all these characters, um, the ideas and the other, the counterpoint to this is watching it. It reminded me of the McCoy stories in that, you mm. know, there was a lot cut from them for time. Mm. And you go back and you see the extended edition. While some of those don't yeah. do itself any favors, a lot of them do. Look at Ghostlight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Look at stuff cut from Fenric. This is the same problem. So I was willing to give a lot because of that, knowing that this is trying to do a lot in six episodes. I'm enjoying the ride. I'll fill in the gap somehow. I, I was willing to do it. And, and dare I say, if this was the first season that Chibnall did, I would have been hooked from the start. I really would have. Yeah. It's interesting, though, that we that we were talking about it being a six episode season instead of the original eight. They're still an hour long. 
Yeah. I mean, the, these are long episodes and there's just so much stuff packed into each one. So, you know, it's still a lot of story being told. I had a joke when when it first aired that you know you guys know the flux game right there's all different oh, yeah. variations of flux so my joke is that it was called flux because Chibnall took flux cards for right uh. <laughs> and came up with a lot of story. I love this I love this and I love every idea here I love everything happening but some of it exactly what Catherine said like I, it's introduced and it's gone. The, the grand serpent is he related to the master serpent from the tv movie i don't know i want to right. more, you know like right so much great stuff pick up those cards let's tell the story i don't know yeah yeah no the grand serpent was such a fascinating thing and that, that's another thing i really i really liked in concept but it, again it had to be you had to have an entire episode devoted to just this and they just didn't but the episode they should have done and i would have loved to have seen if this was in in the works was one where you actually saw the Grand Serpent, you know, at unit, and it's a long game. And yes. you see all the ways in which he has affected things negatively and pushed things this way, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe this is being told to the doctor while she's in the Weeping Angel or something. So that justifies why she has to be brought in there Another is another reason. Um, but that would have been great to see because if, otherwise he is a villain. He's a creepy villain. His motivations are greed. We know what he, where he's coming from. We know what kind of guy he is. Why is he in this story? Right. Right. You know, it's he's cool. Ace break. Why? Why here? Uh, and I need to know why here. And space adventure. Because that was the one thing I loved about <laughs> Bell and Ginger and the Grand Serpent. Is basically he got the space adventure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh no. And just, I love the fact that Bell is not helpless. She yeah. is out there hunting down Vinder. Right. Oh yeah. Where she like talks down a Cyberman at me, like put basically like, you know, get to sleep yet. Like so good. Like, yeah. Um, I can definitely I see, love. Like, I can definitely see Big Finish yeah. picking this up and doing a Tales from the Flux mm. kind oh, of yeah. expanded story yeah. where you, you do maybe not some of the on-screen things and expand those, but just take random characters, new characters, new planets or whatever, and show how they were infected or affected by the flux and and tell some of those uh you know peripheral stories about this whole this whole big epic thing mm -hmm. are you yeah. listening big finish <laughs> no there aren't they're, they're, <laughs> never are. they're so far ahead of that <laughs> i know i mean they are launching a a, a series with joe martin so i think mm -hmm. that it's gonna you know it, it's not an impossibility that they could come up with something like that I yeah, want to see the Grand see... Serpent into a third Doctor Adventures. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. oh yeah, ah, that's what you do. That's oh. it. Man. You call it trial and tribulations, and go back into <laughs> all the Pertwee episodes, exactly. Right. And <laughs> oh, man. and stuff. Wow, dude, they should just hire us. Come on. <laughs> okay, someone, so, uh... someone said before, um, you know, like we love to revisit these things, and I, I, I hope, you know, I hope that we do in some way. I know mm -hmm. a lot of these things prove controversial to fans, you know, the, the timeless child. I, I love that that thread, but you know, will they do it, especially given the new direction things are going? I don't know. Um, I hope so. I hope with some of these things. All right. So uh, a couple of you mentioned the resolution. So let's jump into that. The timeless child lore. We got a, a we got a big information dump you know, in the last couple of episodes with the Doctor's origins and the role of the division by Tectayune. And then she's just killed. 
she's gone. So this whole like dynamic between the doctor and this person that she has identified as a mother figure is just wiped out. So at that point, she's got a fob watch. She basically throws it in a trash can and says, don't, don't ever let me see this unless I really ask. So how does that fit? How does that sit with you? Like as far as, you know, being a, a story resolution for the last two seasons that you're just not going to get any more than this, most likely. So what is your, what's your thoughts on all this? I like that the story opens with the doctor hunting for these answers. And then by the end, I think she's decided that she likes who she is and doesn't necessarily want to be the person that she's learned about over the course of these adventures, the person that she was before, before she was who she is, mm -hmm. you know? So I think I like it's to me, it seems sort of, sort of an acceptance of I'm not desperate for these answers to find out about these lives. Um, I am who I am. Mm. And I think partly the reason why she gives up trying to find the answers is because she met her mother. And Tecteun is not somebody you really want to remember. <laughs> and okay. But the fact is there's all these other lives that, that's why she still gave the TARDIS, unless I asked for it. Mm -hmm. So she's still reeling from the results of this whole flux. Yeah. She needs to recover before she does anything further because mm. there's a whole mess of things in that broken down house that we that she needs to be able to be stable enough to look at. So I can see you're putting it aside for a while, mm -hmm. but yeah. I think uh, it's gonna reveal once again that she's half human on her mother's side. <laughs> right. And by, by that, I mean, I don't think it's gonna come up again. I agree. I totally agree I mean. with you. I think, I think we're I, I think we're done yeah. with it. I don't think any other story uh, runner is going to pick this up. I think but that's they... okay. In some ways, it's it's kind of like when they introduced the concept of the Doctor as the other in the new adventure novels mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. teased it and gave some semblance of a resolution, but not really, and hinted. And there was some callback to that. I think whether deliberate or not, you know, the imagery mm -hmm. of the house um, on Gallifrey and so forth. And I don't mind that. I don't mind teases because it it opens up things. Look. It took the concept of the doctor having lives before Hartnell, which we knew was always an argument from Brandon Morbius. Right, right. And it right. made it real and it embodied in Joe Martin, who's fantastic. I need yeah. to say this out loud, just on, on film, on camera, once more, because I need to spread this because I have not seen this anywhere. Uh, but the uh, Jadun, Fugitive of the Jadun episode, aired 44 years to the week after Brain of Morbius Part 4. <laughs> and how old is Ruth? She's 44. Oh, <laughs> how did you figure that out? Nice. I, I'm a nerd. I, I mean, Y'all are nerds, but I'm, you know, look. That's genius. <laughs> oh, man. That's genius. That's fantastic. Because, because I'm 43, and I know the Brain of Morbius <laughs> came out. It's how I figured it out, essentially. But yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, who knows? <laughs> one, thing, one thing that it does, regardless of the story, is it really gives Jody something to work with. It gives her some of her finest moments. And that was another reason I liked this series. You know, sometimes we know it takes a doctor to come into their own. For me, it took Capaldi and, you know, his second season to really become the doctor that he was. Um, you know, Jody, Jody Foster, Jody Whitaker was up against a lot, um, you know, in the first season, I think. And I always liked her, but I think she became the doctor 
um, in this last season with, with strength. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned info dumps. There was a lot of that going on through a lot of Chimnall's time. But I think, you know, so much is helped by the companions and, and, and Dan and what he does. And Yaz comes in her own here that it gave them all really good material to work with and, and show mm -hmm. their their acting chops and make the characterizations great. So mm -hmm. regardless of, of, you know, the lack of resolution, I, I was, I was fine with the story being what it was. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about the 13th doctor then. Um, what do you think about her portrayal in this season, particularly? Do you think that we know more about her, about Jodie Whittaker's connection to her by the end of it than we knew at the end of previous seasons yeah i'd say so i i think that that this is a, a it gives her a lot of like adam was talking about a lot just a lot of opportunities yeah. to to sort of delve into look internally you know like she's is a lot of sort of soul searching from the doctor in this and examining her past and whether she wants to examine her past and you know and ultimately what what matters to her i think mm -hmm. yeah I, I mean when when she drops um, the fob and the secrets into the TARDIS, you know, I'm, I was thinking of Idris. I was thinking back to Doctor's relationship with the TARDIS, and mm. it really is her, his companion. Um, you know, the TARDIS is the one mainstay the Doctor always has, and it was, mm. you know, it was, it was fast, it was quick, like everything this season, but it was also heartbreaking in some ways to, to see that, you know, the loneliness play out, and, and I thought she did a great job with it. I mean, it establishes the fact that Okay, this doctor talks to herself a lot. <laughs> now she had three different versions that keep talking to herself. <laughs> just a way that she just watching her bounce ideas off yeah. herself was just wonderful. I will, a, I will say, yeah. I will say really quickly that having essentially a multi-doctor episode with three versions of the same doctor <laughs> was a stroke of genius. Yes. I thought that was brilliant. And it was pre-David Tennant coming back too. So. <laughs> That's pandemic planning right there. It's how you do it. Uh, but the what I found really interesting about that was um I I liked the three doctors talking, jumping back and forth between the timelines and then yeah. working it out among yes. I thought that was yes. a great scene. And a lot of people didn't. I think a lot of people thought, oh, it's just lazy resolution, like he couldn't figure out a way to I'm like, yeah, but that's probably true, but in the same way that every other Doctor Who writer's been in that situation. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's just have the Doctor do, time is reversing, says David Tennant at the end of Last of Time, the Time Lords. <laughs> okay. Oh, right, because Captain jo Jack shot the thing that was in the TARDIS. Okay, so time is reversing. Everything's undone now. Right. <laughs> forget, forget about that, where the Doctor and the Master are, are sat on the floor. So that that's important. Every other writer does this, and it's fine. Like, it's fine. Um, I think that with her portrayal, especially in the season, I think that I've always liked her. I think she was very consistent uh, as a doctor from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, what's really interesting about her is I feel like she is the kind of doctor who would very much, who seems very light and bubbly, but like always seems to also want to control a situation like way mm -hmm. more than other doctors. Uh, not way more than other doctors, but to a slighter degree, to a more noticeable degree, mm. um, that she's a little bit more, she's not emotionally detached, but she's more comfortable with joy than she is with sadness. Like there's real specific little things about her, her you know. It's very uh, much like Davison yeah. in some ways, I felt. Yeah, yeah, kind of like very, very Peter Davison about her. Very, yeah. Like seems more human than other doctors, but at times you're like, uh, this is a nail. Yeah, right. And um, 
I, I thought that what that does is it actually gives her one of the things I really liked about Flox and Chibnall in general is like you you create a character like that and then you throw them into a situation where control is not going to happen. It's everything in the universe is entirely out of control. And oh, by the way, you yeah. might have done it, you know, and <laughs> which is I, I think that's a really interesting setup. And, you know, if you look at if you look at 13's uh, character as intentional, then that's pretty good setup for something. I think. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, we are really close to out of time. Any final thoughts about Flux? I'll bring up uh, the companions again. I mentioned before yeah. I thought Yaz really came into her own. I, I mean, agree with I, that. I love I love Graham. Um, Ryan was great. I, I think of the of her companions. I think Ryan had the most potential, and eventually um, there wasn't much development, unfortunately, with him. Graham yeah. was always great, um, but Yaz really came on her own when she was. Um, with the doctor. And we know that there was obviously the subplot of Yaz's feelings, which really didn't get resolved, unfortunately. Yeah. It didn't take the chances it could have. Um, but I thought Dan was a great character. And I think having seen her finale now, he has a nice arc that strangely um, uh, parallels Tegan's in some ways, but exact opposite. He makes the choice to leave, yeah. Yeah. but he's okay with it. And then he comes back at the end in the circle with her and the others. Mm -hmm. and has accepted things and i just thought john bishop did a great job with the character played off of uh jody and, and um bandit really well and um i mean that's one of my takeaways is i I'm, you know i'm always going to be fond of these characters mm -hmm. yeah i think it's just fun to watch you know there's a lot i mean i could go on about the, the last episode the things i didn't think they resolved particularly well but i mean the journey to get there is just delightful you know yeah. i just have a great time watching it every time excellent it was a great mix of space adventures and earth-based stories mm -hmm. and i just i just love the mixture mm -hmm. the fact that you could basically carry them on in the same episode it was just perfect i think at the end of the day the uh the moral of the story if there is one is that nihilism destroys everything which i think is a really interesting kind of thing because you've got you know, the two main villains, Corman is our nihilists, right? Mm -hmm. And then you tie in like, and this is another wishing it was eight episodes because you can also tie in with, look, you know, here's a tech to Yoon and everyone, and, and we're going to go off to this other universe over here. I'm like, oh, oh, the elites have their own apocalypse bunker universe. <laughs> right. So there's little things like that in this where I'm like, this is real interesting. And I, yeah. really think the second draft would have been better but it's really interesting and yeah i'm glad they made it awesome well thank you all so much for joining me for this discussion i've really enjoyed it um flux is a tough season to get through for me and um the second time i watched it i enjoyed it much more than the first time i, I got a lot more out of it i was able to make connections a lot more and I feel like discussions like this help even more, you know, like, I feel like this just really brings flux to a close, like just being able to have these discussions. The one thing you can say good about flux, you can say bad about the flux, but the one thing is it got people talking about Dr. Who. Thanks for listening to Doctor Who A to Z. You can find episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, and other podcast networks. Theme remix used by kind permission of Doctor Who composer Dominic Glenn. 
We'd love to hear from you, so please drop us a line at Z at gmail or leave a comment wherever you're listening. If you've enjoyed this, please subscribe and consider leaving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. See you next time. And until then, remember, we're all stories in the end. Just make it a good one. Yeah.